this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Hi listeners, this is Brent Sutton. Welcome to the 76th episode of the Practice of Learning Teams podcast show. In August this year, I took my first international flight since the borders opened New Zealand from the COVID-19 pandemic. It was a great opportunity to connect with the HOP and Learning Teams community in Australia. Brent Robinson and myself did a whirlwind tour of Melbourne, Sydney and Brisbane. Many of our interactions were our first face-to-face contact with people, who we had only seen over Zoom and Teams in the last two years. It was a great, rewarding experience. During one of our visits in Queensland, we met up with Josh Bryant and his team at Mitchell Services to listen, talk, and soak up their journey of the new view of safety. The hospitality and warmth was truly amazing. We felt like one big family. Josh and the team shared their journey, and I was really taken by one of their strategies around 100 small things that they could do to move safety from what goes wrong to what goes right. An example of this was a single A4 sheet of paper with the heading of 100 small things. It had five information blocks. Those blocks were routine, work, learning, communicate, and leadership culture. An example of the items in routine were such things as, number one, simplify inspections to critical items, Number two, simplify site inductions to what matters most and resilient controls. And three, daily pre-shift meetings include discussions on success, fatal risk controls and value. Where have you ever seen the health and safety strategy of an organisation on a single and simple one-pager? So please sit back and enjoy this episode of the pod with myself, Brent Robinson, Josh Bryant, and the amazing safety team at Mitchell Services. Um, Mitchell Services, so we're uh, one of Australia's uh, most diverse drilling companies. So my name is Josh Bryant, I'm the General Manager People, Risk and Sustainability with Mitchell Services. I've been here for about seven years. Um, I'll hand over some of my colleagues who are here today. So Peter. Yeah, I'm Peter Beasley. I'm the Lead Training and Development for Mitchell Services. Uh, I've been with the company for about three years now, but I've got a diverse background in training in occupational health and safety. Cool. Cool. And over to uh, Rob. My name's uh, Rob Aiton. I'm lead HSE quality and performance. So I've been with Mitchells for probably just shy of eight years. So I've had a multiple range of roles in that time. Cool. And then uh, my colleague Tim Fitch. Yeah, Tim Fitch, so lead HSE in organisational learning. So again, been with the company for nearly seven years um, and just looking after um, whole business through uh, for HSE support to Queensland and WA pretty much at the moment. So. Cool. So Brent, thanks for having us. We thought we'd just sort of share some of our, I guess, our journey that we've been on the last couple of years and the changes uh, that we've seen in our organisation and I guess some of the stumbling blocks as well. So we're, um, oh, this is going swimmingly. Hopefully that'll work. Here we go. 
All right, cool. So, yeah, we're Australian-based. We've probably got just over 900 employees all throughout Australia. So a drilling company, so we work underground, surface, exploration, as remote as you can think. Um, you know, when you hear outback South Australia, that's us drilling a hole in the ground looking for uh, critical minerals, mainly to move, you know, the economy into that sustainable space. But we're also doing lots of near-mine work looking for, you know, basically build our clients' resources. So we've... Um, Drilling companies used to have probably quite a, a cowboy sort of nature about them or a cowboy reputation, um, but it's like a, you're just a contracting company. You come in, you do work for a certain amount of time, um, and then you move on. So we purposely have tried to initially align ourselves with like tier one miners because that's who we work with. So it's almost, we took that view that we wanted to look like our clients, therefore they would be comfortable with us and then therefore, you know, we, uh, we would provide them a better service. But what really sparked us is that one of the general manager operations said to us, well, you know, our safety, we're, we're only as good as our clients. And we were like, well, that's that's not us. Like, we're, we're actually better than that. And we actually need to do more than that um, for, our, for our employees. So I'm just going to run through probably briefly some history and where we've been through and sort of where we're going. So the first thing we needed to do was introduce this language of like fatal risk into the business. And we were, we were quite small. We probably only had 180 employees. And we, we just talked about what are, the, what are the things that you, what matters most to you? So we used to have these things called the life jacket rules. And they had crap in it like, you know, lockout, tag out and management of change and fitness for work. Like they're, they're not rules. They're not going to protect anything. They're what people found interesting. So we actually worked with uh, groups of the workforce and they came up with this thing for, called the fade late. And the fade late was, this is what is important to us when we come to a drill site each day. So it's driving. Then we talk about, okay, what's the risk with driving? Okay, what controls do you need to be in place? But we didn't have anything formal. It was just that we were just introducing that language of, um, of fatal risk and control. So that was very early on in the piece. Then the board set a challenge to us and said, look, you know, at Christmas time, we have all these injuries. Um, no one's got their mind on the job. Um, we need you to come up with some sort of campaign to, to fix this. So we sort of got in the room and because we're genius HSE people, it was like, oh, you know, every Monday what we'll do is we'll, we'll talk about one of the injuries that we've had for the year. And then on Wednesday, what we'll do is we'll like go through our tools and reinforce how to use those tools. Then on Friday, what we'll do, we'll pick a theme because we're geniuses and we'll like focus on like fatigue and hydration. It's, it's your typical Christmas campaign crap. So short term, three months, everyone goes on holidays, come back and nothing's changed, no work's changed, etc. But, you know, we thought we were quite bright um, putting this together. Do you want to ask questions on the way or do I just run? No, no, keep, okay. keep going, but, cool. but campaigns are campaigns. Campaigns are campaigns. So while we were putting this campaign together, we stumbled upon a workshop on safety differently and it literally was mm. stumbling into it. It was like, oh, what's this? We'd never really heard of it. We'd listened to a few, probably started to get inklings of Todd Conklin's podcasts. So I started to like learn about this you know, this new view or new safety and like, oh, okay, let's look over that fence. That's a bit different. No one else is talking about this. But that's where we got introduced to the concepts of safety differently. And Tim, like, it was almost overnight for us. Yeah. And yeah. Rob, you think the yeah. same way? Yeah. yeah. It was, I don't know what it is. It takes, you know, it takes a while to change someone's values. But to walk out of one workshop ran by Daniel Hummerdale, who are now, mm -hmm. is now the New Zealand regulator. Yep. But the way he explained Sydney Decker's work just 
resonated with us and we were like, we need to take this back. So um, we took back the three concepts to our leadership team and it was that, you know, safety firstly is an ethical responsibility and they're like, what? Like, it's not all paperwork and bureaucracy. It's like, no, it's actually ethically, these people choose to work for us. So, you know, we, we need to look after them. We need to do the right thing. We need to work with them on this. And then people as a solution to harness, not a problem to control. And that was probably the biggest challenge because we were like, well, we've got to ask them like how to, how to do things rather than telling them as leaders <laughs> and being experts. Like, what's that about? And that, that was a shift, particularly from strong operational types who had that real technical background. Yeah. Um, you're suddenly going, I'm going to ask a driller's assistant their opinion of their job rather than saying, do it this way and yeah. that's it. So, and, how, and what was that like? Was that... It, did that take a while or did you have different people that got on the journey over a longer period? I, I think, so if I split my leadership team in half, I reckon it was 50-50, to be honest. Yep. 50 initially went, oh, this is this is cool, this is different, and it feels right. And the others were like, oh, it doesn't, this doesn't look like what our clients do, and I don't know if they're going to appreciate what you're about to launch in terms of this campaign. Yep. We were like, well, you know, you want us to do something different um, rather than this Monday, Friday, Monday, Wednesday, mm. Friday thing. So, like, Give it a go. Um, and then it was talking about this safety as the presence of positives, such as the capacity to be successful and not just the absence of injuries. And it's like, well, the whole point of this campaign is to reduce our injury rate. And it's like, it's actually not. Uh, and that's the shift. Um, it's about it's us learning about... Shift, it? yeah, yeah, it's it's the shift. Like, it's about, let's actually learn about our capacity for things to go well, rather than just focus on incidents. And like... One of the first things we did as part of this campaign was took away truth. We took away all mention of it in all our presentations, in our toolbox meetings, in our monthly reports. Um, I tried to take it out of the board pack. The board were like, where's the truth graph? So that didn't happen very quickly. But it is what it is because clients were asking that it was part of our tendering process yeah. that you need to show truth. It's like, that's cool, I'll show truth, but I'm not showing the workers. So we, mm. we basically took it away. And Tim, would you say they've missed it? No, no, no. <laughs> don't know what. It's just no a number. Idea. It's yeah. just a number, and for audience, they don't understand it. Um, so. It's just about harm rates. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. our initial campaign, we called it like home stretch, but the the whole home stretch campaign, because we were asked to do a campaign, was around actually talking to the to our teammates, because they're not just the workers; they're our teammates, and actually going, you know, what we're really sorry, we think we've had safety wrong. Um, and we actually want to lean in on you and actually use your expertise in the field and help us like learn and improve work. Um, Rob, we had a simple thing called Our People, Our Solutions. Mm -hmm. Do you want to quickly talk about what that was about? Just a continuous improvement competition, really. So we put it out there to, for the crews to say, what tasks do you think you can improve and how? How would you do it? And how would you go about it? What are the criterias that you would, you would implement? And it went really well. I think we received 70 to 80 um, submissions in the first probably three to six months. Wow. So, oh, sorry, the, the, of the, the, the length of the campaign. So yep. some of them were fantastic ideas. Some of them were very technical. Some of them were very simple things that the, none so, of them so thought of. What, what do you think that resonated more to them than a traditional sort of offie, you know, opportunity for improvement that a lot of organisations run, you know, put it in the box, write it down, put it yeah. in the box. What, what sort of made it, what do you think made it different for them? I don't know really. I think just the way we went about it. We made them part of the campaign. We made them feel a part of the, the actual work. So they're going to be part of the solution yeah, rather than be yeah, part of the problem. Yeah. So the, plus yeah. the yeah. the carrot at the end with the with the prize who took it out helped a lot. But yeah. I think the just the general they have a major 
part, part to play in their yep. in their improvement. They're doing it for their work, which can also help other crews at other sites. Yeah. So and I think get them getting over the fact that we're asking them for solutions of their workplaces that they were getting frustrated with, mm -hmm. and they were coming up with those solutions, and the, and the fact that we're asking them and they were getting, they had to get over that nervousness of us asking them, mm -hmm. saying what's the hidden agenda, and there was no hidden agenda. There was just genuine intent, so there was understanding, trust, yeah, 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 understanding work. Inherent trust in your yeah. yeah, and so once that easier. once we got across the line with a couple of the guys. It, it gained momentum, yeah. right? So it and spread. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. very spread. quickly. So the, the yeah. winner, like the apps, the winner of it. <laughs> this is what made it so great. Is the winner of this was a person who was all day getting in and out of trucks, and they were different trucks, different sizes, different heights, and there were limitations where he was working around the mine of certain trucks couldn't go in certain areas because of the height. And he's like, "All I want," and he and he goes, "And um, they have to call up on the radio." the vehicle number and where they're going. So this person's in and out of trucks all day and he's like, got to take my seatbelt off and have a look at the, at the window. Like, oh yeah, I'm in truck M, you know, 1651. Yep, cool, oh, I think I'm this height. And he goes, why don't you just like put stickers in your cars that have like the vehicle number and the height and just go, mm -hmm. Genius, like, and I know, I know you laugh, Brent. Well, it's fantastic, though. That's a game changer because yeah, yeah. how quick can you do it? Yeah, how exactly. cheap is it? Mm. Um, so you know, these guys. It, it, it just it blows me away that we, you know, the, the brains trust in the organisation. Any organisation goes, oh yes. Oh yeah. Why haven't we done that before? Well, yeah. There was another one, like someone had to climb up onto a vehicle to look into, like their their like water cart to see what the level of the water was. And he's just like, why can't I have like a spyglass or something on the side? And just like. Oh, and they're like, oh, how come you didn't pick that up in the plant risk assessment? It's like, well, we didn't. So we didn't. Now we now we know, and now we can do that. But like, so the getting, people do, the people doing the work. So yeah, that's it. yeah. So getting these genius ideas from the field showed us how little we knew because we thought we were really clever, and we put in this thing to cool. test about their variability each day. Yeah. So we're like, we want to know about. We plan this work and everything. So and then you go and execute the work, and you come back. And your day's not, you know, as, as as you thought it was. So give us a rating between one and ten of how you thought your day went in terms of variability and planning. And we had drillers assistants and drillers arguing it was a four day versus an eight day. We compile all the data for the organisation. Oh, Andrew, today we had a six point three. As, as, soon as, as soon as they had it, it's now got it's a, a number of ten yeah. hundred. Yeah. 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 So yeah. as soon as that as soon as that went out, like within three weeks, they were like, mm -hmm. that is the most shit idea you've ever had so far, John. Like, get rid of it. And the thing is, though, it's not about persistence and persevering with something that's not going to work and that they don't enjoy and they're seeing no value. So we took it away and we were like, look, yeah, sorry, we, we got that one wrong. So once the campaign finished, we're like, okay, that's all finished and Christmas is done, but how do you make this sustainable? So we applied this principle by a guy called Don Ash called the 100 Small Things. And it's like... You do a hundred small things, often consistently, but with deliberate intent that either creates discomfort or de delight. So we went, well, we need to start changing how the organisation, like acts, feels, speaks, mm -hmm. what it makes important. So we're like, okay, where do we start? So we actually broke down our workflow and went, okay, how, what do we make important in inductions? How can we make those, how can we do these hundred small things and start weaving in safety differently, like concepts, start taking away compliance language all the time, changed how we did investigations, changed how we did our leadership messages, so what Andrew would make important, 
talk, more talk about learning rather than oh yeah we had you know we had less injuries this month we must be awesome it's like oh actually we learned this from the field so it, it sort of grew organically over that next couple of months as we started to and was that the info that you were sending to the board that you, you know there's You'd learn more stuff this month. Yeah, so month. yeah, we started to say, oh yeah, we've changed this and we've got this result and we've changed this and got this result. Yeah, so cool. these like hundred small things. So when people say, oh, you know, oh, this is too hard and I can't introduce this new view, it's like take those small wins and only make those, even if you make the small adjustments. Um, I, I'll share a really quick story. I, I had to give a big presentation to a client recently and uh, a book's just came out called Success Stories and 70 pages and it's got lots of new view, like quick stories. Yeah, and a guy in there, um, Richard Brooks, put in there, you know, you are fighting against decades of ingrained ways of doing things. So if you can make small changes and introduce these new view concepts or safety differently concepts, like take those wins. And I was like, oh man, you talked me off the edge. Like that's awesome. So, and then it made me reflect and go, okay, we as a group did exactly that. We did these hundred small things. So you know, take the small wins with these clients as you can. So and that makes sense because if you think about variability, variability happens in small gaps, small steps. Yep. But when an event happens, you see it as a, we call it micro change versus macro change. So when the event happens, you see it all together. And all you're doing is you're simply doing the same thing by, by introducing a small step so they build up to something yeah. bigger. Which yep. is interesting because yep. it makes sense. And I think the... Uh, and I always say this to my team, the key thing with what we've done is the intent has always been yeah. the right thing, right? Yeah. The intent has never been to drive down stats, to drive down figures, to drive, it is a, we're actually trying to look after our workforce, trying to make it a really cool place to work, learn from our workers, get better, and try and do it as cost effectively as we can because we, we don't have heaps of resources. Like you're looking at the team in this room. Yeah. Um, we don't have lots of money. Um, so yeah, we have to be quite innovative. Um, one of the big changes that made the biggest difference is your language. Yeah. So how you, that whole response matters. So we started to change our language in terms of like sending out investigation findings. These were initially and we would go, you know, the person made a mistake or didn't have, we didn't give them the right resource to enable them to have success. So that made some, some great changes there as well. Um, then we really started to move into aspects of like safety two we didn't really know about safety two and safety one and so we started to like you know expand our knowledge and challenge each other and talk openly and go well safety one safety two we sort of it's not an either or we do both yeah. um so do we do both well mm, we're trying but we more started to introduce those concepts of like doing things well and making sure as many things as well uh, go possible and you know, learning off people and using humans as, as something we could learn from. And then like HOP came into play. And for us, HOP was simple because of its language um, and its intent. And again, it's sound and it's more aimed at leaders than workers. So that gave us something really to lean in on to go, hey leaders, come on this, come on this journey with us. Like we just need you to like, start thinking differently about you know when a mistake's made that that's just normal like even our best people are going to make mistakes so you know just know that you you know andrew will go well i you know i can't believe that person fell over and hurt his hand um i'd never do that and i go mate you've reversed into a parked car 
like, did you mean to do that? So he, what, he doesn't like me using that example, so you can use this in the podcast. Um, it's, been nice, it's been really nice working at Mitchell Services. So, <laughs> well advertised. <laughs> I think that's one of the things I got out of Todd's book was that in one of them he talks about, um, and it was that aha moment for me, that you know, as cars have got better, we've put airbags in them because we know we're gonna, people are going to have an accident. Right? Yeah. And it's just building that defence into it. And I, and I love that. That's the example I use with people. Mm. You're not going to stop people driving into each other. No. So we use the five hot principles. I know probably most of your listeners are familiar with them, but we the way Todd, when he presents, he always talks about the sixth principle of control, save lives. Mm -hmm. yeah. And we honestly believe that by having that sixth principle in there and using the hot language made it easier for us to implement critical control management. Because what we were doing is we were relying on clients' processes mm. to manage our critical risks, but what if they were a small junior explorer versus a tier one miner? Yeah. Um, and some of the, as, as shown in some studies, that not all the tier one miners have got it right or have as you know complex systems or they've narrowed it down to like focus on six things and one of them isn't a drawing. So, you know, they're mainly like tailings dams and underground cavings and that. So we we think adding this control saves lives as that sixth principle has really made it easier for us to implement, um, you know, I, I guess critical controls. We introduce concepts of blue line, black line and latent conditions and that with our supervisors and they, they really started to take to that going, oh, so this stuff's here all the time and there's success. It's like, yeah, that, mm. yeah, it does. Oh, and sometimes there isn't success and like, yeah, so, you know, these, and so we started to show them with data and we would go, well, we work so many, so if we, when we would present to a client, they might go, oh, you know, you've had, you've had two incidents in the last six months, you know, what are you guys, what are you guys doing about this? And you just go, well, hang on a minute, if we wind back, we've actually had 4,000 shifts where we haven't had something go wrong, so why don't we talk about those and you know, adding that question and, you know, Todd put it out there, but Andrew uses it all the time, the CEO, like, are we good or are we lucky? Yeah. When that incident happens, were we good or were we just lucky? And sometimes we are lucky. Sometimes we, we really are lucky. Um, so as an organisation, we really started to focus on, well, things go well, so how do we make sure it goes well at all sites? And how can all sites start learning off each other? And then we would start looking at normal work and we love ugly normal work and I know this will be cut out of the podcast so I can just talk openly about this but this is some of the stuff that we see out in the field is that you'll see baskets with like tied to sticks because they didn't have the poles available you'll see gloves all taped up you'll see D shackles on controllers etc you'll see like spanners the, the handles break off all the time because they're so brittle so they still need to use it and there's no like bunnings down the road so they're yeah. just shoving screwdrivers well, that's, that's making do Mate, it's well, making do yeah. and one supervisor goes i can't believe that you fucking let this happen at these sites and went dude that's your site yeah <laughs> you were on the rig around the corner and i took photos of your site and he's like oh shit so another thing we did is start to introduce that language of capacity talking about the capacity to fail safely, the capacity for things to go well, the, the capacity to maintain control um, if an incident does happen, and the capacity to recover. So really starting to introduce that language. So again, 
we never started with any of this. It's like, oh, let's drip feed this in. And oh, I heard this podcast this morning. Let's drip this in. So, you know, we've been we've been quite successful there. You want to talk anything about that, Tim? Oh, well, yeah, it was just, it was like we listened to the podcast and we'd, we'd have a little bit of a micro experiment at one of our sites to see if it would work. And if it sort of kicked off, we would then put it out a bit wider and then just, just test the waters. So it worked really well. So using changing that language, especially that fail safely, really resonated with a lot of people once they understood it. What I meant, so concept, it wasn't, yeah. yeah, and it wasn't like if a, if an incident happened, it's when it happened that you had the controls in place and they could understand that and they you could see the, the light bulb moment that they would have when they say, oh, they've shifted their mindset and saying, okay, the controls are there for a reason and this is why and we're able to still get on with our work and the way we respond to that and and interpret that to the client would actually say, okay, it's, it's safe to do so, you know. And you're building so, a lot of knowledge. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, we changed our investigation process as well, um, and this is proper investigations, and we work in mining, so it's mainly driven by ICAM, yeah. but we introduced a thing called the, the three-tier timeline. Mm. Rob, do you want to go through what this is? Yeah, so the three-tier timeline, uh, works intended, works normal, work is done. So the work intended is uh, your procedure, what your procedure says. Uh, your work is normal is how it's done every day. Mm-hmm. But whether or not what it doesn't matter what the procedure says, it's work done yep. at the time and what it usually would be, and then work is done as what happens at the day of the event. So you, know, you just do your, your correlation between the three. So if it's work as normal is different to work as intended, well, obviously your procedure's wrong. Doesn't the guys aren't doing the wrong thing, your procedure's wrong, so you need to go review that and talk with your crews and see where, where you can add it. <laughs> so yeah, Mark Alston really helped us with this. He's uh, from a, a organisation called Investigations Differently. Um, and it is, instead of just drawing a standard timeline, like mm. Rob said, we do three timelines. So what should intended work look like? Yep. What did the event look like? What's normal look work look like every day on that site and every other site? So it actually like you're drawing in experience mm-hmm. and, and views from others. And then the outcomes of this, which is those gaps between them, we just we can plug them into any model you want. Root, taproot, ICANN, keeps the client happy. Root, root no, causes, root yep. causes. So, and again, that whole relationship about always pushing about, tell us about normal work and let's learn from normal work, actually let us do even things like ergonomic risk assessments yeah. called participative um, Ergonomics, ergonomics yeah. um, which was yeah. performance thing, thing, but yeah. we were able to like go, we're trying to actually understand what this work does to your body. So can you help us like work through this? And because we've gained that trust, um, the processes like perform were easy to implement yeah. and they, but the, I guess the big thing Brent is that um, always giving feedback to the workers on anything we did. So yeah. we did our people, our solutions, these are the outcomes. When we did perform, these are the outcomes. When we have a blue line investigation, these are the outcomes. Always sharing and giving yeah. feedback. That so it's not build that trust and participation. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. the listeners can't well, can't see this, but it's not often that you see a nomogram. Yeah, yeah. Nomograms are such a powerful visual calculator that tells a story without needing to see the number. Yep. Because that that's what I because I'm a huge fan of nomograms. And people say, you know, what the, and I say, well, you know, 1800s, that's when they came in. But that's that's what it showed me. It showed, told me a story. Yeah. Not just a friggin' number. Yeah. yeah. If yep. they had a bit of text box, I would have seen nothing from that. Yeah. 
So again, coming back to, so applying the hot principles, and then we've got that last one, which is control matters. So this is where in some ways COVID was, our, the only blessing COVID, COVID gave us was a little bit of time to do the critical risk management right. So yeah. it actually let mm. us help. We caught our breath for a couple of months, Yeah. but as we were able to then go back into the workplaces, we did all the preparation to enable us to then sit down with the workforce at every single site and get their input into our critical risk management. So we had a, we had two large reviews within Australia. One was called the Brady Report by Sean Brady of Brady Hayward. Um, and his recommendation was around, or one of his recommendations apart from the implementation of HRO, which is sort of aligned to the hot principles, I guess. But he said, we should really focus on the effectiveness and enforcement of controls to manage hazards, particularly critical controls. And then we also had a coal mine board of inquiry where there was an event at an underground mine in Queensland in a coal mine. And again, that board of inquiry um, stressed about identifying critical controls and having a verification process. But the biggest thing that this team took out of that is one of their recommendations said, if it's not done correctly, it could result in excessive admin burden that could make critical control management very difficult to implement. And that's probably the big standout, particularly the work that Rob did around, let's not turn this into admin burden, particularly for supervisors. So we fully consulted with our workforce. So the way we did that was to go, okay, we've come up with what we think are material unwanted events on our druries. Um, how can these events happen? And actually getting, sharing stories, sharing stories that we found like on the internet, getting examples, high potential events, um, and then getting their input into, well, what are the controls that we need to be, be, in, be in place with that? We used to think of the ICMM guide, which is like free online, follow the bouncing ball, I always say that. Like, great, get, doc, great, great document. It is a great document. Great document. When we took it to the workforce and showed them the critical control flow sheet, they were like, I don't care what that thing says. My one is a critical control we want it in there and we want a yeah. performance standard yeah. and we want it verified and we we're like dudes like you're the experts thank you listeners for being part of this podcast we'd love to hear your learnings from today or other topics you would like us to support you on go to www podcastlearnings.com and be part of the community practice of learning teams at www.learningteamscommunity.com The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.